It's time to strap in for another edition of the Cars Guide podcast, the show that takes you beyond the test drive. This is episode number 221, Worst Cars Too Many People Buy. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James Cleary, and joining me and looking at the much-loved but maybe not so worthy offerings in the Aussie new car market are Adventure Editor Marcus Crafty Craft. Morning, everyone. And the head of our EV guide, Tom White. Hi. We'll also take a look at the fresh metal we've been driving this week and dive into your feedback. YouTubers, you can jump ahead to each car we'll be talking about and each section of the show via the time codes in the notes or chapter markers in the timeline. So let's get after it. And uh, as Chaucer first said, uh, love is blind. Uh, to, to people on the outside of what most see as a flawed relationship, it's crazy. But for those involved, it's completely natural. Uh, or maybe when it comes to cars, it's all about the money. Uh, whatever the reason, we've lined up the models that are more popular than they probably should be. Um, each of us is going to nominate two that on paper shouldn't be winners, but in the real world sell well and or have a devoted following. And Crafty, I would like to, we'll, we'll go around a couple of times. Uh, could you nominate your first vehicle, please, and fill us on in on why it's being featured? For sure, mate. I've got a couple of controversial picks. This is going to get us, get me plenty of hate mail, as per usual, which I'm well, used just, to. Well, it just adds to the, the mountain. The, the it's stack. barely I, noticeable. Yeah. I can never get enough time to reply to them all. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, the Toyota Land Cruiser 70 series, which I love. Let's get that straight out there first, and which I really enjoy driving, I think, is an awesome purpose built vehicle but it's really uh like my second pick later which we'll we'll discover is a niche within a niche within a niche it really has a limited sort of amount of real world uh sort of versatility uh very capable four-wheel drive absolutely capable four-wheel drive you know again purpose-built it's 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 made for driving for doing four-wheel driving and doing tough four-wheel yep. driving sustained yep. periods of it uh, long days, long Ks, many years, run the engine in at about half a million Ks, yep. uh, you know, that sort of thing. But it's, it, it really doesn't have, <laughs> it really doesn't have many sort of uses of value outside of that realm because it, yeah. it lacks safety gear, you know, it lacks driver assist tech, it lacks comfort. Some people might say <laughs> it lacks. A, that's a reasonably big box to tick or not. That, that's isn't right. it? Well, a comfort one. Yeah, well, that's another thing. It is a bit of a box on wheels, straight up and down, which again I love. Um, but you know, it's noisy. It's a rough rider. Your spine will never forgive you. But it's such a joy to drive. You know, I'm willing to forgive it all of those things because it is a lot of fun and it is capable. But it amazes me that these things are still around. A few years ago, Toyota was sort of hinting that it would uh, discontinue uh, with the 70 series. But thankfully, um, for a lot of us and for a lot of people who are, you know, buy into the Toyota legacy and, you know, that sort of hardcore brand of adventure, um, it's still around and, you know, God knows how much longer it'll last for, you know, maybe it'll outlast all of us. I don't know about you, Tom, but whenever I see one in traffic, I'm, I'm not off-road seeing them, as you might be crafty, but I'm seeing them in traffic. And I'm equal parts, hats off, amazing choice, and hats off, you're copping a pounding, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is a great vehicle, but you're right. It's, its forte is in such a specific area. 
Um, that if you're, say, a tradie operating in an urban area and you choose a 70 series, that's going to be a fairly brutal ride and you're probably better off with a Hilux, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But or if, a Ranger if, or something or, like that. Something and you like see that. a lot of those around, yeah. yeah something yeah. that offers a bit more sort of real day-to-day comfort and safety yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, they, they look old, they feel old, they're boxes, you know, but, man, oh, man, they're a joy to drive and a lot of people love them, you know, as do I, but, it amazes me that these things sell, you know, like the proverbial hotcakes. Right. Well, I think we'll we'll super your email address up there, Carthy, <laughs> so that people can um, make contact with you easily. <laughs> My home address. A few people are parked outside all the time. Anyway, you've got a few observers <laughs> most right, of the time. That's right, exactly. Um, that's good. What a great way to kick it off. Uh, that's all you want to you you want to cover on that one, Craft? Yeah, thank you. Good, Thanks good on you, much, yes. Tom. We are moving on to your good self. Keep the controversy flowing. Uh, well, yeah, it will be controversial because uh, a lot of people. I even know someone who bought one of these in very recent memory. The Mitsubishi ASX. This car has been around since 2010 in the Japanese market. Um, basically, facelifted about a million times but it keeps selling tens of thousands of units. And this was honestly a puzzle to me. So I, I went to this friend of mine who bought one of these things. And I said, why? Like yeah. there, there's so many other cars that have come out in the last, however many years that is, uh, like 12 years that that yep. car has been around and just relentlessly facelifted with engine changes and essentially the same product and like the new one i gotta say facelift looks okay um you know they actually added some halfway decent multimedia to it um i said oh why'd you buy this thing and 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 he goes oh i went and looked at a few things i went and looked at a nissan juke and it it wasn't right and i went and looked at the mg and and it, it felt a bit not right for me sat too high didn't feel you know right dual clutch is a bit funny uh uh Sell toss, no stock. And so where does he end up? With a Mitsubishi ASX. They got stock, they got a CVT auto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. no nonsense. It's familiar. Right. And and then it is the only time you kind of get it because we can all sit around and go, ah, ha, ha, you know, the car's like, you know, 12 years old. But if, you know, you're coming out of a 2004 Mazda 3, I suppose it looks pretty fancy. So on, so, the, on the back of that conversation, Tom, are you still friends? That's the key question. Ah, oh, always. Okay. <laughs> oh, very good. So an ASX Grudgingly, to, grudgingly, Jason. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but with a yeah, with a new characterization on the friendship, I suppose. You'd but think. this this car, this car, right? Like like there are so many good options on the market right now, but it's been such a stalwart, I think, because it's yeah. so like credit to Mitsubishi that like don't need to make a new car. This one still sells because it's literally old faithful. I can't imagine anyone who bought one in 2011 would then go and buy another one. In 2022, maybe but, it'll um, end up like a, a Morgan or a Caterham, and it'll just stay exactly as it is, and we'll be uh, talking about it in 40 or 50 years' time. Honestly, it's Japan's it's Japan's Volkswagen Beetle. Like all they got to do is keep updating it. <laughs> Unreal, good. Let's thank you, Tom. Let's move on. I'm going to kick in with my first one, uh, which is the Mazda MX-30. Now, it's not a it's not a massive seller, but we'll get to that. Think about the fact that Mazda already has CX-3, CX-30, CX-5, CX-8, CX-9, then MX-30 arrives. Now, I get that it's mainly a leader for electrification, that it's making a statement. I understand that role. But the problem is it's a flawed product. I I think um, it looks schmick inside and out, but those freestyle doors, those club-style doors, 
Um, I, under, I understand the RX8 connection and that it's a point of difference, but they're impractical. You, you mm. can't, there's no windows in the back to roll down. They're, they're fixed. And you have to open the front door to open the rear. And if you're in a like a parking station situation, that's not great. The boot is modest, 311 litres. It's, it's kind of small. The over-shoulder visibility because of all of that superstructure around the back doors makes that a bit dodgy. The centre console is, in my view, overly complicated. It's multi-layered. It's like one of those things you see cats climbing up and hiding in the top and then coming back down. Um, and it's covered in cork. I mean, I know that's an historical thing. Mazda, I think, started out as a cork um, brand, but uh, that doesn't work for mine. The hybrid it's only a mild hybrid. It's like some starter motor trickery and, and some regen harvesting, a little lithium-ion battery to help power the electrical systems. And you get a minuscule economy advantage over an equivalent CX-30. Um, the EV's inverter, Tom, I know you know about this. It's only fairly small and you only end up with a 200K range. And the EV version is 65 grand. So... Uh, my question is, is 66 MX30s a month too many? And I'd say that would be an interesting conversation. <laughs> I'm actually genuinely surprised they're selling that many. And I actually right now, maybe it's a stock thing. Maybe people walk into a dealer and they can't get a CX30 that they want. And they just got the MX30 sitting there and they're like, you want this? Maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. I actually lived with one for um, you know three months recently and... I actually think like it was in the fully electric version and I actually think it's a lovely car just to drive. It's yep. so comfortable. And one of the key things I put in the review was it does something that so few EVs get right in that it manages to really faithfully maintain the brand's drive experience. So if you drive a CX-30 or a Mazda 3 or a CX-5 okay. yeah. and you get into one of these, like all of those key elements are the same. It doesn't feel like it's really burdened by the battery. It doesn't like the electric drivetrain doesn't mix things up so much that it's unfamiliar. So it's really good at that stuff. But you're right. It's so expensive. It's so impractical. Like I, I live in a unit down in my parking spot. I couldn't even open the rear door because there's a pylon in the way. So I could never, I basically yeah. never use the rear seat, even if I wanted to. Um, yeah, yeah. And, wow. and you're right. It charges up really slowly, which is it just seems like a silly emission to me. Like if you've only got that much range, surely you want it to charge up quickly so you can get back on the road faster. But yep. anyway, yep. is what yep. it is. Anyway, there's there's that one. And Crafty, we're back for your, you know, this is the coup de grace. This is where you're going to lay down uh, a car that will have people up in arms. Let's let's hear about it. Well, this is another one with a, with a legion of fans as well, uh, JC and Tom, and another one that's going to upset a few people. Um, and it's basically a, a smaller version of the 70 series. It's a bit of a box on wheels. It's the Jimny, oh. uh, the Suzuki Jimny. Um, again, a lot of fun, very capable off-road, you know, uh, awesome fun. You can just throw the thing around. It's got a wheel at each corner. You can just pretty much climb everything, go through any water, um, et cetera, et cetera. But it really doesn't make any sense in a, in a real-world uh, situation because there's not a lot of room inside. It's not that comfortable. Um, there is a little bit of driver assist tech as a bit of a concession right. to modern, you know, modern society, but not a lot uh, w when compared to other vehicles. Uh, the safety ratings on both vehicles uh, are, uh, you know, are not ideal, um, mm. far from ideal. Uh, 
And in terms, again, of real-world packability, the Jimny, there's not a lot of room inside, as I mentioned, but, you know, it's not as if you can throw a, a storage platform on top and load that up because then you've, <laughs> that's right. you've got a tiny box that's top-heavy that will tip over <laughs> if you lean on it when you're talking yeah. to someone outside. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but very, yeah, yeah a, a whole lot of fun. I've got to make yeah. that, that point abundantly clear. Um, and and very capable, but just in my mind, I can't. And I see a lot of them around, and I see and I see a lot of them with aftermarket gear. I mean, you guys yeah. have probably seen them around the traps with uh, you know with a storage platform and a spare wheel cap, and that that boggles my mind because well, well, Matt 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 Campbell went to Autobacks in Japan, and yeah. when Jimny was absolutely white hot as soon mm. as it, the current model had been launched, yeah, and there was just hectares of stuff for yeah. Jimny. To, to yeah. customise your Jimny, yeah. it kind of is that kind of car. Yeah, but once you've loaded that up, I mean, you could you could barely um, legally put some groceries on board because you've you've chewed up the whole pile, <laughs> and you put your girlfriend in or something, and then you know, and you and, yeah. and your Shih Tzu, and you've like you know you've you've gone over payload. So yeah, you're lucky. You're you're do, do we need an hour? You know. <laughs> Do we need bananas? No, I can't have them pass. <laughs> can't have uh, them, sorry. But yeah. for, for mine, I don't know about you, Tom, it's the quintessential nice place to visit because it's so much fun because it's so involving. But you, you after a little while, you get over the bounciness and you, you get yeah. over that stuff and go, yeah. mm, It's like having grandkids. Think- Not that I've got any yet, but you can always, you know, you can have your fun and then you give it back and say, yeah. right, yeah. I'm going to get into my sensible, my sensible uh, <laughs> yes. daily driver now and uh, go about my life. Exactly. But yeah, yeah. For me, it defines like a lifestyle product, right? It's like an MX-5. It's not a car that you buy to be a car. It's a, it's a car that you buy for fun. That's and exactly. Yeah. That's a good hats point. Hats off to those people. But you're right. It's just, it's absolutely not something that you can really go to far with modifying. I mean, it's got a tiny little engine. So if you want to go yeah. anywhere. Tiny or little engine. <laughs> And, yeah. and which which is fine off road as long as you don't have too much stuff on board. I mean, like with I say, a little, little climb and you know, with enough determination, you can fit a supercharger to anything. <laughs> there is a bit of room in the engine bay. Yeah, there could be. There's could plenty be. of room in the engine bay. Yeah, and, and, and you the just pra- can't put anything in there. The practicality stuff of it is like baffling as well because there's a like a back seat which is essentially a foam bench. You know, yeah, it's that's, just that's a, a bench. bit of a Suzuki yeah. special. But when you put it down, it has like this hard plastic cover on the entire boot so yeah. even if you put objects in the boot for like a weekender they just slide around it, it just seems like this kind of daft like no one's yeah. thought of that they go okay you, you can have a bit of room if you put the rear seats down but then it's not really a useful space so a lot of yeah a lot about the Jimny sort of taps into that romantic notion of you know that that retro romantic notion of you know the old school uh the old school zook um that's all boxy. That has you know very few concessions to to yep. to living yep. in your normal life, and that's part of its charm, uh, yep. I guess. I can certainly see that, but uh, but you all know, all right, wow. that's good. That's good. We'll put the uh, email up uh, address up again, Craft. Yes, that's yes. perfect. Yeah. Now, Tom, it's time for your round two. Uh, hit us with this one. It's ostensibly uh, an off-road capable vehicle as well. I'm actually surprised that you didn't come after this one, Crafty, but the uh, sixth generation Y62 Nissan Patrol. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yes. To me, the story <laughs> of this car, in Australia at least, is bizarre because it, it launched kind of, and it was kind of a bit flat. Like people weren't into it, didn't have a diesel anymore. It had the, the 5.6 litre V8. Um, it was enormous, clearly made for like the Middle, Middle East, East and, and the, yeah. you know, kind of US market kind of vibe. 
Um, and it it also has like an interior out of a early 2000s Japanese limo, which is it just doesn't match the off-road <laughs> vibe of the car at all. Don't get like me wrong. Grandfather's pool room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yep. right. With the like, yeah, the wood grain wood, everywhere. Wood grain and the, everywhere. Yep. And the huge plush <laughs> leather seats that you sink into, and about yeah. five thousand too many buttons. That yeah. would be uh, a nice option, though, wouldn't it? The thing with the brass sliders on it to do yeah. your snooker, snooker exactly. Scores. Yeah, to do. Or your maybe you, yeah. you put the yeah. second row down, and there's actually a, yeah a pool table yeah. on the back of the. Brilliant! <laughs> that would be amazing. Tom's pimp my patrol. Yeah. Anyway, so with the redemption arc of this car, so the 5.6 litre V8 doesn't change. Then they do a facelift, which to me is possibly one of the ugliest Nissans ever made. I can't wait wow. for the hate mail on that one. But wow. And then for some reason, now it's selling. Now that yeah. fuel is more than $2 a litre, people want a 5.6 litre V8 Nissan Patrol that weighs probably nearly four tonnes. Because yeah. they, they can't get an LC300. Yeah. Well, the interesting. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Well, that's yeah. the thing. And the interesting thing, really quickly, Tom, is that we've done tow tests, um, and people always go, "Oh, it'll it'll chew so much petrol." And, um, you know, ultimately, it it doesn't. And I mean, driven with with great consideration, I'm um, towing the same load as a as a 200 series at the time it was. Um, you know, now it would be up against a 300. Um, pretty pretty even, even Stevens. Um, and the money you save not buying a 200 series, again, at that stage, the money you would save not buying a Land Cruiser and buying a Patrol, um, you get about five years' worth of fuel. Well, maybe, maybe not now, maybe not with, with today's prices. Two and a half years of fuel. <laughs> <laughs> Two and a half minutes. Yeah, um, what time right. is it? That's yeah. right. And, and, and also uh, a great tow vehicle. So, yeah, okay. I, can, I can understand. But That's um, good. There, there, there's an argument for it, but I, I just love its bizarre redemption arc. Like it is, yeah. Right. Yeah. Launches, right. no one wants it, <laughs> then gets a heinous facelift, and everyone wants it. I remember and the last hangs on, yeah. I mean, the last time on. I drove and one, I remember getting in. Favor. Sorry, Tom. Sorry, Tom. And it's been around since 2010, just like the yep. Mitsubishi ASX. So it's <laughs> it's a very, very uh, yeah. long turnaround. You brought it all back together, mate. I should be tired. <laughs> the last time I drove on, I remember getting in and thinking, this is obscene. This engine is huge. It's ridiculous. This interior is over the top. And then I started driving going, I love it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It was just so comfortable. So comfortable. Yeah. does everything so easily. Anyway, yeah. um, I'll finish off our half dozen with a Porsche Macan. Now, um, our Indonesian listeners will be having me say Macan because mm. I believe it's Indonesian for tiger, but I stand to be corrected. But I'm going to call it Macan, so have you go if you need to. And I just wonder if you need a Porsche to fulfil a family's SUV needs. So I'm not saying it's a bad car. I'm saying it's more the wrong car. Um, since the Cayenne arrived 20-odd years ago, I think Porsche has grown into the SUV thing. And the Macan feels like a Porsche dynamically. They've, they've actually got their head around what an SUV is and how to make it feel like a Porsche. But most people, they're buying a sledgehammer to crack a walnut. You know, the, the, they're just using it around town. They're, I haven't been on the Autobahn in Australia recently. That's because, oh, that's right, it doesn't exist. <laughs> um, and in fact, several hundred people a month are buying this sledgehammer to crack the family SUV walnut. Um, in Australia last year, the Macan sold more than all other Porsche models combined, wow. easily. So you had 911, 718, so that's Boxer and Cayman, KN, Panamera, Taycan, 2,100 units. Macan, 2,328, 2,328. So 
it's just sort of sad for me that Porsche is an SUV company. I understand that this funds the 911s and the 718s and all the fun sports cars, uh, but it also to me just proves how much emotion is involved in, in purchasing a car and, and owning it. You know, it doesn't really make a whole lot of pragmatic sense. It's about, I want to have a Porsche, uh, but I don't want a sports car. I need an SUV. Hey, there's a Porsche SUV. It just It's not a bad car, just the wrong car in my view. I got to That's admit, a- I liked it far more than I was expecting to when I tested one last year. Um, it was the GTS, so uh, oh, that's near, a nice one, yeah. Yeah, near the top, the two point nine liter V six, and I thought, yeah, you know how how much better really is it than a Q five or a even a Tiguan, which it is loosely related to, and it is. It's it's dynamically you don't expect it to be as good as it's going to be and it, it the interior is lovely and uh, i've got to admit it turned me around i'm a bit of a fan oh dear all and right I, I actually originally would have agreed with you i just thought no this isn't this isn't porsche this isn't the brand but um it it, it you begrudgingly have to admit well, it's, it's more really it's nice much car. more of a porsche than earlier generations of the cayenne yeah JC, right. 2,300 units is a lot of units, and I, I don't think I've ever seen one in the metal. So Interesting. Well, I think there's that. Are they all inner city? I think it's the McCann driver's crafty avoidance strategy. Whenever they, they see you, it's immediate hard left or right turn. They yeah, yeah well, I think, I think I do come up as an icon on the dash, like a warning, <laughs> yeah, like a just a big melon <laughs> head, and they get a, yeah. You Unreal. Get a, Petrol uh, stations, yeah. restaurants. Melon crafty. head, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Very good. They, they see you in the rear vision mirror about to run them off the road in Y62 <laughs> Patrol. Yeah. That's right. Well, that's, that, was a, that was a good discussion. Um, let's see if uh, people can come up with a comment of the week on their feedback oh, on that, that, half that we nominated. Oh, um, now, we'll, we'll move from those to the cars that have actually been inhabiting our garage. But on a broadly similar theme for this first one, Crafty, um, tell us what you've been in recently, please. Uh, yeah, well, it was the first time I've climbed into uh, a 300 series, uh, and this specifically was the GR Sport. Uh, so... Uh, According to Toyota Marketing, it's the most off-road capable of the <laughs> of, of the current lineup. Okay, and uh, it's um, yeah, it was as good as I expected. Um, it it obviously loses the 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 V eight of before that a lot of people were bemoaning the fact, um, but yeah, especially with more power and torque now, um, and and sort of real world applications, I I see no difference. If anything, you know, it's it's supposedly more efficient, but it's 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 definitely more more power and torque on tap. Um, yep, and just a lovely thing to drive, really comfortable on road, um, and uh, as always, very capable off road. They have uh, uh, tweaked the off road traction control system and those sort of things. This thing has uh, the kinetic dynamic suspension system. I'd probably stuff that up. And I think electronic goes at the start, so E-K-D-S-S. Were you you stuffing up the name of it or did you stuff up the suspension while you were driving the car? Oh, no, the suspension. No, no, I stuffed up the the name, JC, yeah. The car went back. uh, I think I stuffed that up, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. 
which which acts like an active sway bar system, I guess, in very basic terms. Um, so more wheel travel when you're off-road, less so sort of tighten things up when you are on-road. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. We did, we did, uh, we've got a couple of uh, set-piece uh, hill climbs and stuff that we generally do with vehicles, um, and, and, and it's a pretty good test of a standard vehicle. Um, I have seen modified vehicles, uh, you know, have a little bit of difficulty. Um, and, yeah, it went really well. I really like the thing. I always have a problem. It's a general theme in my reviews that I always have a problem with the price tag. Uh, okay. <laughs> because okay. this uh, this is, t- I think, uh, as standard, it's about 136. I'd have to check 137. Oof. But it, it, it creeps up towards 140 JC uh, prices Oof. tested. Um, and that's a that's a lot of dosh. I mean that that is a lot of money. So there are no flaws with it technically in in terms of uh, uh, four wheel driving. The only thing that that hampers you uh, is the price tag. You know you're yep. forever worried about uh, getting a few bush pinstripes oh, on it. Or- and did you have people stepping into the middle of the road to stop you so they could have a look at the car? I mean I, I had a quick steer one and I was taking the dog for a run at the dog park and I had people coming up to me. It was, it was causing uh, quite the stir. Yeah, no, it does. It gets, it gets a lot of attention. I mean, that, and that's a, that's a thing for the general, you know, 300 series. Like I think now people are starting to get used to them now, but um, there was a period of time with it very much a novelty and, and you'd get anyone, you know, even someone who might hate Land Cruisers would, you know, yell out to you and say, yeah, or, or give us a look or how is it? How does it dry? What's it like? You know, geez, I like the look of it, mm. that sort of thing. But, yeah, a lot of fun. Um, uh, in terms of, yeah, flaws, my only gripe would be the the, the, the price tag and perhaps, you know, for, for guys like you that spend a lot of time in million-dollar supercars, you know, it's not dynamic. It's a four-wheel drive. And, and as much as they try and, you know, sort these vehicles out there, you know, they're four-wheel drive wagons yeah, yeah, at, yeah, at their yeah, very heart. Yeah. So they're never going to be yeah. a, a dynamic sort of lively driving experience. They're going to, you know, they're going to sort of get close uh, to that for the rest of us. But, um, yeah, all in all, a very beauty. good thing. So. Beauty, beauty, good one. All right. Well, thank you, Crafty. Um, Tom, an entirely different vehicle. Um, you've had your backside in in recent times. Please fill us in on that one. Uh, yeah, so I actually specifically asked for uh, a car like this uh, because I've spent a little while, it's, it's my new long-termer, and I've spent right. a little while living with, I've had a couple of sort of series parallel hybrids in the form of the Toyota Corolla and the Subaru XV, and then I've had a, a couple of full electrics. I had a Nissan Leaf and a, a Mazda MX-30, but one I hadn't driven is a plug-in hybrid. And so I, I tapped Matt on the shoulder and said, hey, look, you know, I'd really like to have a plug-in hybrid for a little bit longer to see what it's like to live with. Because I think plug-in hybrids are tricky because people, you know, might not understand that kind of equation that you have with the car. Um, with with a, a normal hybrid, you just drive it like a normal car, you fuel it up like a normal car, it just uses less fuel. Um, and with an electric car, there's the whole story behind what it's like to charge up, you know, what kind of characteristics you start to build up, you know, do you charge it just at a local AC port? Do you charge it up at home? Do you only use DC charges? You know, that kind of thing starts to come out. Um, and then, uh, with a FEV, I thought, well, this is going to be bizarre because it's, it's just totally different. You have to fuel it up and you have to charge it. Uh, is it convenient? How often do you have to do it? And so the one I'm driving is a Kia Nero plug-in hybrid. Yep. Um, it's worth noting that there's a new one coming out 
pretty much imminently and I'm in the current car. Okay. Uh, costs from, uh, I mean, the one we've got is the uh, top spec sport. There's not an awful lot of difference between the two grades. They even have the same sized alloy wheels, but the one we're in is a top spec sport, which had a uh, cost from 5490. Um, I've had it for about a month now. So uh, a third of the way in, uh, what, what do I like about it? I think it, I think it actually drives all right. And it's very practical. Um, it, it's the first week I had it. I had to, um, help my uh, dear old dad move some of his art equipment out of a, a storage cage. He'd had it into his, um, uh, he's bought a little cottage out somewhere. And I thought, Oh God, I don't know. I don't know if this car is going to be big enough, but once you open it up and put the seats down, it's enormous inside. Like it has right. a huge storage area and it easily fit everything we put in it. Um, and that really impressed me straight off the, straight off the bat, because it is related to the Kona, um, the Hyundai Kona, same car underneath, but, um, the, the, the Kia is way more practical. Um, what else do I like about it? Uh, I kind of like the updated look and the feel of the cabin is nice and open and, uh, it's reasonably easy to operate things I don't like. It um, has a really, really slow charger. So I, th- I think the charging rate is either 3.3, 3.6 kilowatts. I haven't managed to nail that down, but that's really slow for sure. an AC charger. And the week before this, I was in the new um, Lexus NX plug-in hybrid, which has a charger that can do twice that speed. Right. And so they have yep. kind of a similar electric-only range, but the NX charges, even though it's a bigger car, charges up, way faster do, do, do you have any mail on whether this um new one that's coming you mentioned will will change that i've got to look into that and okay. the good thing about this is i will be getting into the new one when it launches uh very quickly so um it'll be nice to see the changes that they've made particularly because there's another a bit of a weird thing about it where it, it has your kind of regen braking and in the top spec sport you can adjust the levels of it like, like you can in an electric car so it sort of has three levels of regen um, but there's something weird about the regen in this one. It seems to channel all of the drive through a dual clutch transmission. And when you toggle the regen on, it's not like on a normal electric car where you have the pedal and as you let go of it, it sort of brings the regen on slowly. It What happens is you have to fully let go of the pedal and then there's like a second of delay and then it starts regening. So it has this weird lumpy kind of feel if you want to make the most out of the uh, electric features of it. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a weird little car, but but, um, I'm kind of enjoying it. It it is tricky to live with. And I've traveled 800 Ks so far and used half a tank of fuel. Well, wow. So that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. Well, that is great, Tom. Thank you. Um, I can uh, round out the garage sitting up in the dark corner at the back there is a Land Rover Defender 90 um, P300. It's just a fraction over $78,000 before you put it on the road. Two-litre turbo petrol four. It's that uh, Jaguar Land Rover Ingenium two-litre petrol. Uh, Eight-speed auto, all-wheel drive, well, four-wheel drive, 221 kilowatts, 400 newton metres. The plus is it was perfect for an apocalyptic week in Sydney. Um, I didn't think it was going to be an off-road test, but it turned out it kind of was because the, the potholes, the rain, it, it's been biblically wet um, in Sydney over the last few weeks. But the upside is that the engine is really peppy. It's surprisingly good on-road ride. We were talking there about the LC300 Crafty. This one surprised me in terms of how civilised it is. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. It steers well. Um, it's on Goodyear Wranglers, so they're, correct me if I'm wrong, they're pretty off-road focused um, yeah. Yeah. tires, and yet it, it it steers quite nicely with them bolted on. I think they're 18 steel wheels mm. on this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks tough. I've always, since it first emerged, I've loved the look um, of the Defender. And, and it's quite civilised, wireless car play, a 10-inch screen, you know, there in the centre, the, the, um, you get the overhead view camera, and, and this is not near the top of the range. It's pretty well equipped mm. for that kind of money where you're talking uh, an LC300 creeping up to those big dollars. This one, yeah, $80,000 is not to be sneezed at, but it's well equipped for that. Um, and there are echoes in the design of the old Defender, like there are little Torx bolts around that the whole yeah. thing's on yeah. and the yeah. rubber checker plate on the bonnet. Yeah. Um, the the yeah. roof window in the rear that that's yeah, very so much the a defender window, signature. Yeah, that's a, that's yeah and a those, defender thing. Yep, and those steel steel wheels. The the negatives. It's got a side hinge tailgate, um, which can be awkward when you've when you've like I did backed into a parking spot and gone ah I can't I can't yeah, open the can't door. Open it. But the upside is it does open <laughs> from left to right rather than the other way around. Uh, um, there's not a heap of load space with the second row in use. Um, it's fairly modest. Yeah, um, and Look, the the entry to the back seat takes a bit of grunt because this thing's a, a two-door or three-door, if you want to call it that. So you have to have a bit of um, hiking, mountain climbing expertise to get back into the back. But it's just got to do more yoga, mate. More yoga, yeah, the downward dog pose mm, and a bit exactly. of planking. But yep. and in summary, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I think it's just a brilliant reimagining of an iconic vehicle. I think they've... They've done a great job. There was some criticism at the time. We were talking about 70 Series Crafty that Toyota made the investment and kept the 70 Series ticking along while Land Rover retired the Defender. It was like, mm. boo, hiss, you know, you didn't, yeah. have the, didn't have the guts to keep it going. I think this car is really great. And, yeah. and I enjoy driving it immensely. Uh, it's awesome. Them. Remember, we were oh, sorry, Tom. We were, but I'm going to continue, Tom. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember we, we were talking yesterday and saying it's it's incredible that they managed to 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 strike it right with a with a design that balances the expectations of traditionalists with those who they may you know may not have any inkling of a, of what a Land Rover Defender is or maybe have some tiny romantic notion of it um and they just did it right didn't they um, yeah. it's and it really is nice to drive i mean on road that and that's blown away a lot of people uh, you know not the least of which uh journos um, yeah. blew them away at launch because yeah. uh, and even the short wheelbase 90 yeah it's um it's, it's good it's a, it is a short wheelbase it looks yeah. like a Audi Sport Quattro, it's yeah. so, and, so short and, in the wheelbase. Yeah, and I mean, of the lot, because of that, um, it's it's you know, it could be the sweet spot in terms of off-road capability because you can just, you know, the off-road angles on that thing, approach and and departure and ramp over, are, are, are just very impressive. Yeah, um, good. and good. yeah, and all those mechanicals, all that tech behind it, um, great off-road. Sorry, Tom, you go. I, I'm glad no, I'll just up. say again. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you brought up the design, though, because the thing I find perhaps the funniest uh, about the new Defender is that uh, there was that DC100 concept that they brought yeah. out in 2011, which was kind yeah. of universally panned. Everyone hate, hated I, it. I liked it. I you liked, liked it. it. Definitely. Wow. I just remember there being a huge backlash against it. And then when this... And then when this car came out, it actually doesn't stray too far from the concept at all. No, I know. no it's good. It's, it's Jerry, Jerry McGovern and his design team there have got another one, you know, past the keeper. They've, they've kept it pretty true to whatever the concept was, you know, like the original Evoke. 
it, it was a concept car. Everyone thought, oh, well, that won't be paid. And lo and behold, the production car was exactly the, the concept. They actually have a really good history of doing that because the Range Rover Sport as well, that came from the Range Stormer concept, which looked right. almost identical. It was just a two-door version. It as was, opposed to the Stormtrooper, which was... Yeah, as opposed, yeah that's right. But, but the, the thing that gets me also is the way that DC100 and the Defender it has that kind of heavily littered uh, headlights, like someone's frowning, a bit yeah. like those people in Jeeps that put the angry eyebrows yeah, over, the, yeah. over the top yeah. of the lights. Yeah. It just gives it a really tough kind of yeah. take-no-prisoners take no kind of... Yeah, uh, and it's still got that distinctive Defender profile and sort of silhouette, doesn't it? I mean, people yep. still know you're in a Defender if they see you yeah. coming along the road. All right. Well, that, the steel that, wheels. The yeah, yeah, the steel is, the steel is yeah. Oh, yeah, fantastic. So... Thank you for that. That's a wrap up of our garage. We'll get on to feedback, uh, our comment of the week. Um, it's on top of the shipping container at the front of the Cars Guide forecourt, bunting, balloons. This is comment of the week. Uh, now, I hope I can pronounce this correctly. Daedalus has said, we, we were talking last week about, um, you know, good cars that people don't buy enough of, and we've gone the flip side this time. And one of them was uh, the Gladiator, the Jeep Gladiator. And he says, or he or she says, what also plays a role for the Gladiator is that Jeep can't play on nationalism slash patriotism in Australia. Take that and the buy American bias you have in the States and you're left with a pickup that's just not as tough and reliable as a Hilux or 70 series. And it, it put me, I don't know what you guys make of that, but it put me in mind of an, a TV advertising campaign that I caught some of about a year ago. I went back and had a look at it and it was the Jeep wave. So the Jeep wave is a thing in the States where you've just got your hand on the wheel and you kind of give the, the wave or whatever. And so Jeep in Australia came up with a campaign, that, the Jeep wave commitment. And if anyone remembers it, it was Jack Thompson giving this poetic kind of um, uh, verse on how Jeep owners, there's a special bond between Jeep owners and they give each other a wave and they've got each other's back. And it seemed to be a local attempt to try and create that Aussie Jeepness, if you like. So there could almost be a patriotic call to action um, to, to buy a Jeep because it's part of the fabric of Australian outback culture. And it, it, it died a pretty quick death. It, that, that campaign went away. I don't know how successful it's been. But uh, an interesting comment, do you think? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the, 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 all right, we'll leave it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we should deep dive into that too much no, because that no, brings, brings up all. Well, I think I think it's the, the <laughs> funny the funny thing uh, about that campaign is it's sort of this, compare that to the success Volvo had with the self-deprecating bloody Volvo driver sure uh, ad, and I think you've kind of got you know one brand that knows its place in the market and another that perhaps yeah. doesn't quite. Yeah, I remember one execution in that Volvo campaign was two people in the shopping centre aisle with their trolleys. And one bumps into the other and one under the breath. Bloody old, bloody Volvo driver. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, uh, <laughs> go, go Crafty. No, I was just going to say, yeah, yeah, that's an important point you both make and um, and whatever he or she's name, I won't try and say it because I can't remember it, Dedalos. Dedalos. Yeah, that's it. Um, it. You know, it's not the same further uh, here as as perhaps in the US, uh, that sort of gung-ho yeah. nationalistic. And and I think Jeep is a very peculiar brand to attempt to yeah. to sort of tap into that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, tough in these in these conditions. This is very much a US sort of brand, isn't it? I mean it, you it know, is. still people sort of think of it as very much a 
an American. All right. Well, look, thank you, guys. Um, that With that, we've reached the finish line. So thank you, Tom. Thank you. And thank you, Crafty. Oh, thank you. And thanks to our Lord of all things technical, lead face feeler and hangover cure specialist, Mr. Pritchard, for his brilliance on the buttons and sliders. Today he's wearing a T-shirt saying, don't make me put on my tap shoes, uh, spiky high-biz pants and KFC edition Crocs. Uh, jump into the conversation, Cars Guides on Facebook and Instagram, or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Apple podcast listeners, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Five is the preferred number of stars. That'd be great. Thank you. I'll if just you say enjoyed... before we go, JC, sorry, mate. Yeah. Um, Matthew did offer me a cool beverage from our Ashki before, but it involved him bending over and, you know, oh. turning over his shoulder and asking <laughs> me if I wanted a, uh, I think it was a solo. Yes. And I said, no, thanks, Matt. I've seen a side of you that I never want to <laughs> see again, mate. So Very good. Good, de- good decision. Yeah. Just um, wanted to let our, our listeners know that we we are we, you know we do have refreshments and stuff. So, if you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to subscribe to the Cars Guide YouTube channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But before we go, I came home late earlier this week and noticed the next door neighbour uh, burning the midnight oil, tinkering on his car. Uh, garage door was open, so I stuck my head in and and uh, commended him on his commitment. And he said, "Yep." I won't stop until I've fitted these new brakes. 